Welcome to the Higher Ed Huddle, where we discuss the most relevant topics in higher ed today. I'm your host, Joe Trano, with Barry Dunn, Higher Education Consulting Team. And on today's podcast, Vianna Morell joins us again for a follow-up episode on the topic of employee well-being. Vianna leads the well-being consulting practice at Barry Dunn. She has 15 years of consulting experience, much of which has been in higher education and has a master's degrees in accounting and applied nutrition. Vianna's journey into well-being consulting began with the transformation of Barry Dunn's wellness program into a comprehensive well-being initiative. She believes that having a deliberate strategy around putting people first is key to the future of work. In the second episode, we will discuss what she has been uh, working on in the last year and what she has seen and what institutions should focus on for de- developing well-being programs. Welcome, Vienna. It's great to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here, Joe. Yeah, I I was looking back. Uh, it was it's been just over a year since we we uh, we had the first uh, first podcast recording, and so. Um, I think you and I connected in this past year and felt it would uh, would be good just to reconnect and see see what you've been working on, what you've been focused on this past year. And so um, tell us what you've been focused on. Yeah. So let's see. Well, yeah. When we last spoke, I think we were just really gearing up for some of the internal Barry Dunn well-being initiative and also really in the early stages of launching our client-facing well-being practice So since that time, we've, let's see, we've developed our Barry Dunn Wellbeing Strategic Plan. We've brought on our well-being manager and we have a chief culture and engagement officer now. So I'd say it's been really great just to see that transformation happen um, here at the firm. It's really, it's just been a huge success and um, really enjoyed that process and enjoyed being able to, you know, pass the torch on to our well-being manager in terms of the firm-facing well-being initiative, and then to really focus my efforts on our client-facing practice. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. And I certainly, as an employee of, of Barry Don, I, I have seen the investment the company has made into um culture of the company, really strengthening the culture and the investment in uh, resources and staffing for um, a company-wide well-being uh, initiative or program. And, uh, you know, from my conversations with other team members, um, you know, people are noticing and uh, it is something that people get excited about. So it's really wonderful to see. And you touched on the strategic plan. Maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. Um, how's that going and, and what is what is the implementation of a well-being strategic plan entail? Yeah, so the, the plan's been great. We have, let's see, about 19 uh, well-being initiatives in the plan and they span the five different dimensions of well-being we have here at the firm. So there's physical, mental, social, financial, and career. And we also have a number of initiatives just related to overall well-being. And those are really initiatives focused on the foundation for our well-being program. Um, Anything from having a really solid, um, uh, basically our intranet presence so that people can find resources really easily to launching a well-being champion program 
Um, and then just thinking about how this strategic plan is maintained over time and making sure that we have solid leadership model in place for it um, and that it just continues to be supported as a living document. So the plan was developed collaboratively with, uh, we had about 35 people from all different departments and offices across the firm contribute to the development of the plan. And then we, we really boiled it down into a three-year roadmap. Um, and it's just been super helpful, I think, particularly for our well-being manager to be able to come in and have this roadmap to really direct efforts. It's also been really helpful for our well-being committee because it's just given them some more tangible I think, um, goals and objectives to focus on and also allowed our committee members to kind of pick areas that they're most interested in. So figuring out which dimension of well-being they like most and then being able to really focus on the initiatives that support those areas. So I think in the world of well-being, there's just a lot of really cool and exciting things happening and it's easy to get distracted as well. I think anyone who has the role um, of well-being within their organization can tell you that they're constantly having people come by with great ideas. And, you know, there's a lot of, I'd say, shiny objects in the world of well-being. So having a strategic plan has just been a great way to really focus our efforts. Yeah. And you, as you know, uh, we, we see this with our clients, right? So uh, strategic planning is such a, an important um, and integral part of, really establishing objectives and goals and ensuring that that that's the North star and that's, that's where we're headed. That's what we need to accomplish. And then yeah, having a vision, uh, having that vision, right. And then having, getting out of the way as leaders and allowing the, the team really to, to, to accomplish those tasks in achieving those goals and objectives. And um, yeah, I'm really happy to hear that. That's wonderful. Um, is that something that uh, we can apply towards our client work as well? Yeah, and that's certainly the hope um, to do more of those projects client-facing. So far, all of our client projects have been more in the early stages. So, you know, the assessment and the survey stage and the awareness building. And we expect that some of those projects will turn into strategic plans, either, you know, under our direction or once we set the client up for success to kind of carry it forward on their own. Awesome. Um, what else is going on? Are there other, other initiatives that you can talk about? Yeah. So, of course, um, you know, just a lot of conversations with um, people, you know, on our team around what they're seeing for needs and different ways that we can use well-being to, you know, advance our other services. Um, before I get into that, one, one cool thing I'll mention that we did this past year is we undertook a, a research initiative with the University of Maine, um, where we did a pilot study looking at those five dimensions of well-being and looking at how employees of Maine-based employers, as well as students, ranked their well-being, what they were finding to be the most challenging, what opportunities for improvement they saw. And part of the idea of this, behind the survey was to understand the similarities and differences between students and employees. And that really, it was interesting because what we found is that the themes were quite consistent across the two populations. Um, and 
with most of the focus on mental and financial well-being being the areas that people are both um, finding the most challenging and are also have the um, the lowest ratings for when they rank well-being in those areas. So that was a really interesting study. There's also just brought to light the importance of flexibility in both populations. People really want the flexibility to attend to their well-being as part of their, you know, whether they are an employee or a student, they want to be able to do that. The flexibility, the knowledge, um, the capability, those things are all really important. And I think this fits really nicely into something else that we're seeing, and that's this kind of recognition a little bit more broadly that um, higher education is just that's it's just such a great opportunity to start planting those seeds of well-being for life um, with students, um, and I think that can be just transformative for future generations if we start really thinking about well-being um, for students and equipping with them with the skills to, you know, take care of themselves and to have good well-being um, later in their careers. And I think that's just going to shift the demands we see in the workplace as well as those generations uh, come up into, into the workplace. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, uh, in, in my time in higher ed uh, working on campus, you know, I, I've seen firsthand um, some, some of these uh, student-focused programs, not necessarily on well-being, but really about um, mental or financial health uh, of students. And those programs have been around. Um, and I'm really happy to see the progression, the maturity of, of this. And may, maybe I'd, I'd like, to, like to hear your thoughts on this, but I'm wondering with, with the pandemic, if that's really accelerated the need for uh, more broad programs, maybe more holistic programs, similar to what you've shared with the five uh, components of, of a well-being uh, program, um, I think that's fantastic. And I think, you know, just knowing the needs that students have um, and also staff, as you mentioned, staff, you know, employees of, of um, institutions, they, they need help too. And I think um, seeing, seeing that be also a focus area, I think is, is fantastic. Um, uh, especially in light of what, what's occurred in the last couple of years. I think that's put a lot of stress on people. And so I'd like your thoughts. What, what are your thoughts on, you know, the pandemic? How's that accelerated or has, has it, um, has it helped make, make the case for implementing these more holistic programs? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The pandemic has certainly brought well-being into, fo into focus. And I think a lot of the challenges that came to the surface during the pandemic or just that, like they, they kind of came to the surface, but they were things yeah. that already existed. Um, you know, also what it means, you know, to be a student or the pro, you know, profile of a student has shifted so much um, and continues to shift even more. And there's just, our students are such diverse populations. So I don't think that our, you know, the traditional wellness programs that we would see on, on campus are really cutting it anymore. Um, we really need to kind of level up the way that we think about supporting student well-being and supporting students who are at different stages of life, who are balancing different responsibilities. 
and who just have very, um, you know, different needs. So how can we make well-being programs that are broad enough to address all those different needs, but at the same time, keep them very meaningful? And I think one of the best things we can do is address well-being at the entire population level. So not just thinking about students, but thinking about faculty and staff and really embedding well-being into the culture of these institutions. Um, you know, I think about it like on a micro scale, I think about just, you know, my own household and, you know, how, you know, with kids, it's like, you know, I can tell my kids all day, you need to be kind, you know, and, and support <laughs> each other and everything. But if we as parents aren't doing that, then, you know, it's, it's pretty much meaningless. So I think we need to do the same thing um, in higher education and on campuses and in, in institutions and thinking about, okay, not only do we need to equip students with the skills and the resources and the knowledge, but we also need to do the same thing with our faculty and with our, with our staff on the administrative side as well. And really think about this from a whole community level. Yeah, I like that concept. I, I think um, I think that will really support uh, the push for these type of initiatives across campuses. Um, I'm curious, um, are there any other d- new developments or anything new that you're seeing in the well-being space that you can share? Yeah, so let's see. Um, developments in the well-being space, well, I think there's a lot more attention to well-being. Yeah. And there's some good and there's a lot of good and there's some bad that comes with that. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, a lot of shiny objects. I think that there's just this emergence of so many vendors and, and services and platforms that you can acquire to purchase well-being. And, I, I, and some of them may very well be fantastic and, um, and effective, but to I think to take a, a um, you know, a software program or, or an app or, you know, one of these services and, or even a, um, you know, a service provider of any sort and just implement that and expect that to check a box, it's not going to work. I think that the most successful well-being initiatives are going to be those that start with culture first. And then once you start to ingrain it into the culture, then you can start to really take a closer look at what are, what if any are our resource gaps and where can we bring those things in in a really meaningful way. So I think, you know, just with, with all these possibilities um, for well-being and wellness investments, I think it's really important to have an intentional and deliberate approach, which I guess comes back to that you know, the case for well-being and strategic planning um, and, and how helpful that can be. So, and then I do think that this, you know, one thing that's been really interesting, and I touched on this earlier, is just this idea of integrating well-being into the student experience as part of like the academic experience, not just as a student life consideration, um, recently I learned of, I believe it's called the Coalition for Transformative Learning. Um, and they are very focused on how do we actually make, how do we equip students with 
skill sets they need um, to, you know, be well for life. And, and a big part of that is these transformational educational experiences. And I think it comes back to the five dimensions of well-being. You know, the fifth dimension we always talk about is career. And really making sure that our work is, you know, aligned with our values and gives a strong sense of purpose. And I think the educational opportunities, um, you know, need to reflect that as well, really helping students find purpose, helping them understand their strengths, and giving them opportunities to do meaningful work as part of their student experience. So I think that falls into well-being as well. It's incredible when you think about all the different aspects of, of well-being and, and how that can have a profound of, uh, impact, um, positive impact on people's lives. Um, and I think that's what really struck me when you when you shared the five dimensions when our, our first episode, I was like, wow, this this is more this is much bigger than what I originally thought. I mean, most people, as you mentioned, think of well-being or, you know, as wellness, but it's, it's more than just that. And so, um, very, very, just very exciting. Um, that's, I, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's very exciting. And to see what you've done here in our firm and how you're helping, uh, our clients understand the value of this and the, these types of programs and the impact it can have not just on students, but also employees, faculty, and staff. I think, I think this is just the beginning of something really big. And I think we're going to see uh, a lot of growth in this area. Um, my wife, as you know, works in higher ed and we talk, we have these type of conversations and she's really excited about this. And I've shared, you know, some of the information you've shared with me. And, and these are things that get administrators of institutions, especially on the student services side, right? But mm-hmm. um, certainly in other areas, they, they, there will be excitement as well, because I think higher ed is really struggling to retain employees, whether yeah. it's faculty or whether it's administrative staff. And this is a game changer, I really do. And we, we've talked about having some flexibility and allowing people to work remotely. And that's been a very difficult, um, con- not concept, but difficult situation to deal with at many campuses um, yeah. and they've lost employees because of that. So, and that's oh, yeah. just one example, but I'm curious, well, what are your thoughts? Um, do you, do you see a tremendous growth in this area and what, what's holding back institutions to really hopping on uh, and really investing in this? Well, I think some of it is that there's just higher education is just a, com- a complex world right now. And there's a lot of challenges that higher ed is dealing with. So, you know, it's just being able to focus the attention. I think, you know, honestly, having a partner to help drive well-being can be really helpful in that regard. Um, Ultimately, you also need to have someone at the institution who is going to be a strong sponsor. And ideally, you have a whole, you know, leadership team who is able to get behind it um, at some level. But you're, I mean, it's so true. Like, Higher ed is no exception to the great resignation and the battle for talent and burnout is so prevalent um, for higher education right now. When you think about like the traditional reasons that people get into higher education, um, you know, what, what does the employee value proposition look like in education and culture and purpose, I think have been such major drivers for 
um, that value proposition in the past. And I don't know. I mean, I even think about just the, the significance of a campus and of having people, you know, the brick and mortar, the, you know, having people on site and the, uh, the energy that exists on a campus. And um, even that's shifting, right, with a lot of remote and online and hybrid learning. Um, so I definitely think higher ed is in a position where institutions that are going to be the most successful are going to be the institutions that really prioritize culture um, and really figure out how to get culture right in this new world. And I think that well-being, um, especially if you're thinking about well-being the way that we're talking about it in that expansive way that's both pers- uh, personal well-being and professional well-being and well-being for the good of society. So well-being for social good, meaning like we're not just doing it for employees. We're not just doing it for retention and performance. We're doing it because it makes our students more successful and puts out better, you know, and that's better for society as a whole. I think those institutions are going to be the ones that are most successful. Yeah, well said. I like that. I like really being focused on the bigger picture, which is really the betterment of society, really making better um, for better employees, better students, um, better people, better yeah. workers. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I like that concept. So I, that kind of leads me to my last question, and it, it kind of is a, is a good follow-up to what you just shared, and what's the call to action for institutions? Yeah, so I think the <laughs> You know, in the broadest sense, the call to action is, you know, making well-being a strategic priority um, and seeing it as an enabler for mission and vision and, you know, for the future. And thinking about it from that lens, not just thinking about well-being as an an HR initiative, but as something much bigger than that. Of course, HR is a very important partner. I don't want to undersell the importance of HR in this vision, but it needs to be institutional level um, to make a difference. And then, you know, I think another call to action, you know, not, not everybody listening to this podcast is going to be able to immediately make this an institutional priority. So I think as individuals and leaders and managers, we can also start thinking about what we can do, you know, in our day to day to support well-being and start making it more part of the conversation. Um, You know, I recently, saw someone who had posted just asking them, you know, every day, ask yourself the question, you know, what can I do to improve the well-being of, you know, whether it be, you know, your, your colleagues, staff, faculty, or, you know, the students that you support, you know, every day kind of asking that question, what can I do to improve their well-being? And then maybe asking, have I improved the well-being of at least one person today? Um, you know, another uh, initiative I would consider, especially, if, you know, for our listeners who are in management and leadership positions, I would say if you're serious about getting the conversation around well-being started in your department or your institution, you know, and you want a really tangible place to start, I think surveys can actually be a great tool um, there's a lot of survey fatigue these days, so I think well-designed surveys are really important. But a survey, we've seen it be a really effective tool to bring well-being into people's thinking, and then it can serve as a launch pad for targeted and 
responsive initiatives based on the feedback that you get. Um, so that's kind of a, a tangible place to start. And then I'd also just say if you're, you know, still unsure where to begin and just need a sounding board or want to talk a little bit more, you can also reach out to us. We're, you know, always happy to have those conversations. Fantastic. And um, Vienna, what's the best way for uh, our listeners to get in touch with you? Um, our listeners can certainly email me, um, call me. I think you'll probably put my info in the, in the show notes. Um, direct outreach is certainly welcomed. We'll certainly do that. It's, it's been wonderful to have you back. I really appreciate your time. And um, can we can we do a third episode, maybe not wait a year to do it, right, but maybe right. in six, six to eight months, we'll have Let's you back. Let's do it. And yeah, absolutely. I'd like to hear more um, because this, I think, is a really important topic. Um, and it sounds like we're on the cusp of some really uh, awesome stuff coming. And so really looking forward to hearing more about the growth of well-being not just in higher ed, but in general, I think for society, I think it's, it's a good thing. Um, and we'd love to have you back. So thank you again very much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. This was fun. Excellent. I want to thank Vienna again for joining me. And uh, you can find our podcast on SoundCloud, Google, Apple, iTunes. Uh, check back next month for another great topic and great guest. Until then, stay well. Stay well.